Hey there, Mike. Hey, man. How are you, sir? I'm very well. I'm very well. Uh, so we've got back on the show uh, after a long uh, engagement at uh, Harris Casino, um, <laughs> where he opened five nights a week for uh, for Barry Manilow. Um, we have Mr. Matt Bischoff, who is uh, better, I think, known uh, right now at least uh, as the creator of uh, of Quotebook, uh, my favorite iOS uh, app. Or one of, one of the three, one of the three wonderful creators of Quotebook. <laughs> yeah, okay, one of the three wonderful creators of Quotebook. But but also, um, uh, he's he's also doing some interesting things. I'm 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 betting because he's an interesting guy. Uh, can we can we allowed to say where you work now? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I'm at uh, I'm at the New York Times doing the New York Times. Press. Congratulations! Thanks a lot. Yeah, the gray lady is is is. Lucky to have you, let me tell yeah. you. Well, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of the same sort of stuff you're working on on iOS things there. Absolutely, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Um, are, you, are you just are are you guys keeping an eye on what the on what the Boston Globe uh, just did with their with their responsive uh, redesign? And, of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, okay, all right, good, 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 good. Yeah, they did great work, didn't they? Yeah. Um, so uh yeah um so first of all how are things going? Uh things are things are incredible. Things are absolutely great. And and Pat right. just just so I don't just so I don't um <laughs> just so I don't um get get yelled at by somebody. The the Boston Globe is actually um a, a subsidiary of the New York Times. So uh, Ah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that was so that was us <laughs> as well. Oh, so, so another oh, team. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh, that gives Can me I, all new levels of hope. I need uh-huh. to point people to the big web show. Um, I'll give you the episode in a moment, Patrick. Okay, um, sounds on good. On the big web show, they had one of the guys, um, it's episode number 57, a guy called Scott Gell, um, who did some work on the Boston Globe redesign, the responsive design, and it was a really interesting episode. So oh, no, should go in the show notes. Noted. Yeah, anyone who hasn't who hasn't seen that, <laughs> you know, uh, just point your point your browser, any browser, uh, multiple blou- browsers actually for full effect uh, at uh, at the bostonglobe.com and yep. oh, cheapers, it is an HTML five gasm. Let me tell you, yeah, just, um, re- just resizing <laughs> things is just just is beautiful. It's like a native application. It, it's yeah, it's really cool. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's the way things should be should be done. Uh, I think in in that kind of context. So, so yeah, uh, all I have to say is uh, you have a future subscriber in me. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Oh, but because anyway, uh, back, to your, back to your question, um, things are things are really things are really great, and we're actually just finishing up some some really exciting stuff for Quotebook. So, uh, uh, yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think both of you got. I think both of you got that email. But um, yes. definitely, if you, if you're not, you know, if if you're listening and you're, you know, a Quotebook user, you should definitely follow us on Twitter, um, so you can sure. keep keep an eye out for that stuff. For sure, um, big things happening there. Yep, good things happening there. Mm. So, um, one of the things I wanted to talk with you about, uh, and this is uh, something I've been thinking on recently um, a lot, uh, and that is. The idea that all software has a story and that I feel 
that that story is told by the software's purpose, you know, how, how one expects this to be used. The features that are included, here are some options we give you during that use, as well as the features that are left out. That in fact, even maybe the features that are left out tell more about the uh, tell more of a story than any other element in that. But that from these three things, you can infer kind of the story of this software, right? You can you can start to think, oh, I see why the developer made these choices or or decided to create this app in the first place. Right. Right. How much and- as a developer? How much thinking do you do about that story, or is that something that only I think about because I'm crazy? No, I think a lot of developers, especially developers who um, practice sort of agile development, which is a, uh, a pro- programming methodology or a set of programming methodologies, think about stories a lot. Because actually in agile programming, there's this concept called the user story, which mm-hmm. according to Wikipedia is a one or more sentence um, everyday business language of the end user that captures um, what the user wants to achieve. So you sort of Instead of like coming up with these, the, you know, just screenshots or requirements, you come up with um, stories, and then you try and build the software to, to fulfill those stories. So this is something that's like really, I think, thought about by a lot of developers, uh, especially the agile ones. Okay. And uh, is agile something that uh, is that a methodology that you use in in your development? You know, it's it's something that like just like getting things done or any um, sort of methodology, you use parts of it. You know, I don't think I use all of getting things done. I don't think I use all of Agile, but uh, I definitely lean much more towards Agile software development than Waterfall or any of the other um, methodologies that are pretty popular. Okay. All right. And and so, you know, uh, because of that, you put a lot of thought and interest into coming up with that kind of one-line story, as it were. Right, right. And and I think that the one-line grand, the sort of grand vision elevator pitch story is definitely um, the most important. But then there are all of these other little moments, you know, these little, mm. these sort of mini stories that happen in your software. Like, mm. what does it feel like to import a file? Or what does it feel like to um, publish that picture to Facebook or whatever? And those mm. those are all, you know, those all have to serve the larger story. They're sort of like chapters in a book, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, or scenes in a play, if you're if you're. <laughs> well, yeah. Theatrical. Well, and I th- I think that um, in a way uh, that story is what draws the user in and gives them a personal connection to that software. Right. Um, uh, and so I guess that's the story of within the software of the usage and the, uh, you know, and the features and the lack thereof. Um, um, <clears throat> but I think that there's, there's also another story that has always fascinated and interested me and I'm always drawn to. And I think anytime a software developer uh, you know, group of developers, whatever, uh, put the story out there mm-hmm. in a very plain way that I'm even more likely to trust and use um, the software. Um, right. Some examples right. we discussed uh, before we started recording, but I want to reiterate them here. P- 
Penboard, for instance. Uh, Penboard is a, uh, as they call themselves, an antisocial bookmarking uh, service, which isn't entirely true because you certainly can share, uh, share some bookmarks, but your bookmarks are private by default and you, you selectively turn things public uh, based upon what you choose to share. Um, and and for, so, for instance, that choice, that, that default can tell you a whole lot about the way that this was meant to be used and why it was created. While there are certainly other things like delicious, you know, other things that are out there to use, and that's what sets it apart. That's how this is different and why it was created, at least right. in part. Right. Um, uh, and another good example uh, that we brought up is uh, Path, where um, you know you're limited to. Uh, a a group of of fifty people that you can share things with in Path, and that fifty is derived from Dunbar's number, uh, and it's an extrapolation of that. Where you know fifty is the is really your core group of closest friends. So because they've made that limitation a part of the software, basically remove the feature of being able to have as many share with as many people as you want, that in itself tells a story about the way that they expect you to share and the things that they expect you to share, or at the very least, the things you could share and be more comfortable with than you would in a much more public forum like Twitter or Facebook and what separates it from something like that. Right. Um, I think I think there are a couple of other apps that I'd love to bring up that do this really sure. well. Yeah. Um, and, and one of them, um, one of them is an app called Kaleidoscope, which I know you've talked about before. Um, mm, I love Kaleidoscope. So do I. I use it every Mike, day. Well, Michael's um, laughing because we just we just talked about it on the last episode. So. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> which you couldn't have heard, which is because we literally just recorded it. So I just thought. Yeah. Okay. So so one of the great things about Kaleidoscope that, that gets to this story story model of software um, is that they they do sort of a twist. They do some some unexpected things in the software, which is like. Um, when 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 it updates, it shows you the release notes inside of itself, right? Mm. Which is mm. which is amazing because because if Kaleidoscope's telling the story of being the best app to view changes on something, and then it shows you its own changes in itself, it's yes. delightful and surprising, and it's, yes. it's that that moment in the narrative where you're like, oh, how could I have missed that? You know, and to see that in desktop software sort of blew me away. I was like, oh man, beautiful and, example. Yeah, and, and, and there are so many other ones. I mean, the, the blog littlebigdetails.com um, is a Tumblr that just captures these little story moments that I'm talking about um, mm. where the developer sort of as a storyteller um, gives, a, gives attention maybe to that, to that one paragraph or that one page or, or one interface detail um, that most people will never see, but when they do see it, they're delighted that it's it's really inspiring, and you know, for people who are software developers or designers, um, just reading that every day really gives you an idea of where you can where you can bring that in. Mm. Some some other ones, you know, sort of off the top of my head, um, Ren Ren Renapp um, dot com mm-hmm. is a oh yeah yeah the little Twitter uh, yeah. kind of client yeah which is a really simple app, which is not to say that it's simple to make, but it's a, a really simple app that just. Um, doesn't allow you to view tweets; just allows you to post them. But it also lets you save three drafts. And yeah. why? Why three? Right? You know, like 
why why, why not like birdhouse where you can save a whole bunch right exactly because yeah. because their whole story is that it, intentional tweeting like you know thinking about it and not just making another place to pile things up right they want it to be beautiful and not a nag and not um not annoying to have to go in and just see this huge pile of things that you thought were half good ideas yeah and they do, you know, they, they do some subtle things on their website too, like like they say, like lovingly made for your Mac, like really communicating how much care they put into it, and um, and it's a great app. You should def- you should definitely check it out. That yeah. promo uh, video is incredible. Yes, yeah, that, that's another thing. Um, promo videos, you know, after Adam Lissagor um, or Lonely Sandwich started putting out these great promo videos, I think everyone has really stepped up their game. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it's just yeah. sort of playing off of each other, and, and the promo video space is, is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, agreed. Uh, it's it's almost like the uh, 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 it's become an increasingly popular trend for uh, for for writers and book authors to mm-hmm. basically do a book trailer. Right. Um, and my favorites of these are really uh, just the author themselves, and you know some. You know, setting an alleyway or a, you know, or a, a nice green field or something like that. Talking, telling the story of the book. Yeah. You know, uh, so uh, you know because there's a story that is beyond the story. There's you know there's there's the book and the book gives you one story, but what's nice is sometimes these trailers reveal. Oh, I see what this book is really about and 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 what it means to to them. And, yeah, uh, I think that that's all part of it. I think far too often um, these stories are being told, and in general, they're subtle enough that we ignore them. Yet at the same time, we're being bombarded by them. Right. Well, and it's 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 really obvious when they're not there. So, you know, if you look at an app like if you look at an app like um Microsoft Word on Windows, like what's the story there? What yeah. I mean, it's it's there isn't one because it's been lost. Right? The the, the through line um of that application has been completely lost o- over many many generations of the software. And that's why when yeah. something like Pages comes in from Apple and it's got this clear this very clear concise story, um it's so it's so wonderful and you're like, "Oh, god, and, I can't wait to start using that." Yeah. Yeah, it's refreshing, yeah. exactly. And I think I think part of the way that, that Apple is so good at this is that they actually formalize the process of telling the story into something called an application definition statement. This might be sort of boring for people who aren't no. software developers, but No, no, I'm <laughs> highly intrigued. And okay, so are so, my listeners. So so there's a, a document um, sort of like called uh, writing your first iOS application or something like that in the Apple developer library. And it tells you, before you start designing, before you start developing, write an application definition statement. And they even sort of hint in the document, like, I know you're not going to want to do this. This this may seem like extra work. It's not. This is actually (laughs) fundamental. You have to do this. Otherwise, your application will not be good. And and essentially, you write, you know, sort of like a one sentence. Maybe you can expand out to a couple sentences if it's a really complex app. And they go through case studies in human interface guidelines of, like, what what the application definition statement for the Photos app on iPhone was. You know, like hmm. how they took the application definition statement from iPhoto on the desktop and they funnel it down to the Photos app and what, what came out and how that affected the design of the application. So wow. um, if you're really interested in that, I would definitely recommend reading these documents because um, that's really inspired me a lot 
in, in the software that yeah. I, I developed to think about it, you know, as a, um, a one sentence uh, pitch or story. And then every decision has to get filtered through that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it, it becomes clear that Apple would be doing such a thing. Um, not only, you know, there, so it doesn't surprise me, but also one thing that I've noticed about their iOS advertising, um, especially with the iPad, is that it's one of the few examples that I see regularly where they answer the question of why. Mm-hmm. It's not just that they show the how or the what yeah. or the where, but they show the why. And it is only from the why that an emotional response can be had. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. The, yeah. The why is where you get it, where it's like, oh, this is for reading my morning paper and my books and to, to, to exchange emails. Right. Or, oh, this is where I play games with my kids and then allow them to uh, communicate with grandma. Because it makes my life easier. Right, because it makes um, this more because it makes this more frictionless, or because yes. you know they give you they give you that like um, that sort of explanation of well, wh- why should I even pay attention to this? Why should I spend the time? Why should I go out right. to an Apple store and pick this device up? Because exactly. this is actually going to make your life better. Yeah, right? it's not only going to make your life be- better, but here's the story of how. You know, right. Here's the story of why, right. and 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 we're going to tell you this story, and we've got thirty seconds to do it, and in this thirty seconds is going to be most likely what we wrote down that one sentence on before we even started developing this thing. Yeah, and see, right. I, I don't know if I don't know if either of you have watched the um, the Windows Eight, uh, you know, designing great Metro apps video, the Eight yeah. Traits of Metro apps video. You have. Yeah, we were talking yeah. about it, weren't we? Because you pointed the hick to me. Right, right, yeah, we were on Twitter, and and you know while I think that Microsoft is in, in the Metro user interface has done a lot to correct sort of what I was talking about with Word in the past that mm-hmm. this lack of focus, mm-hmm. I think that they're still missing um, that emotional part. I think that they've yeah, done a lot why? of user re- a lot of user research on like okay, well people can't reach this certain part of the screen, so we're going to make it so that that's not a problem, and and they've got the interaction design right, but they don't have the um, the full breadth of the emotion and the storytelling right yeah yeah i agree I, they might get and, there i'm not saying they can't get there but yeah well and, and and i would i would say that the getting there is crucial to 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 the survival right i mean it, it, i really do think that that the the applications and the products and and uh you know that these things that are successful are successful in large part because the story is compelling. Um, because the story is not only compelling, but it's told and it's told simply and it's told well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you don't have to think too hard, you don't have to look too close to understand it's the story. What do you um, think, Pat, about... about um 
characters coming into this. So, for instance, MailChimp.com, which is, I was I'm thinking about them because we just used it to send out an email to, to the Quotebook beta testers. But they have this, this sort of mascot. Their software mm-hmm. has a mascot. And I think, and they use it all throughout the user interface, all throughout the, the software to remind you to sort of, uh, I'm going to say humanize, but it's actually a chimp. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> to, uh, you know, to make it more fun, whimsical. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I think you know it, it sort of fulfills the same function that uh, Flickr did by by saying hello to you in a different language every day. It makes it feel um, more real and less like just like pixels on a screen, like flashing lights. It's like okay, something's actually happening here. Yeah, you know, there's this there's this little chimp following me around. Make sure I send my mail out correctly. That's kind of cool. <laughs> what do you what do you think about that and, and and how that can be brought in? Well, and um, oh, I, I mean, I think it's. You know, I think things like that, when done well, are great. And when done badly, they're bonsai buddy, right? Oh, Clippy. Well, yeah, or, or Clippy, or Clippy, right? right. You know, right. You know? <laughs> yeah, that, um, you know, that uh, when you bring characters in to this story, as we're calling it, you're walking this very fine line. Mm-hmm. They could go, uh, you, you, could, you can trip on this line and fall across it. At various points, you can do so because it's too cutesy. You could do mm-hmm. so because it's too helpful. You could do so because it's not cutesy enough. It's kind of scary. You could do it because <laughs> right. you know uh, because it it's popping up in places that don't make sense. Right. Um, I think ideally, or, I think ideally, you want you want to be the character. You and the software are the are the two sort of characters interacting, and to add a third is sort of can be really dangerous. Yeah, um, you know, like like when I'm talking to my iPhone in voice control, I'm not thinking about the woman that's saying, "Please say a name." You know, I'm just thinking about the iPhone and me. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to see that person's face suddenly. You know, well, and, and and how would it change if they did hire some attractive uh, you know piece of stock art to 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 be that you know that female character talking? Um, well, then I'd be building an emotional connection with that and not with the right. device and the software directly. Exactly. And that yeah. so it's a layer of problems. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, well, definitely. Yeah. Well, and a whole load of prob- world of problems for, um, for, as well, I think, when uh, the, the – uh, so the other risk you run when doing something like that is the default – Choosing the default then becomes all that much more important, right? Right. Because, right. you know, while, you know, some people may be, uh, you know, may be attracted to, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, some, you know, piece of, you know, female stock art as a default, other people may be put off by it or even offended by it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think this gets to the the matter of, like, you know, like like you said, choosing choosing the default. That's why so many icons are blue because it's just sort of like a universally pleasing color, and nobody's mm. like, oh, I hate blue, mm. right? A lot of people hate yellow. A lot of people hate orange. So mm-hmm. you don't see all these icons on your dock that are that are orange and yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it but it leads to a sort of sameness and a lack of character if you go too far in that direction. Yeah, yeah. Like and- Ollie, the Twitterific bird, for example, is is something with character. That's yeah, that's a character exactly. Yeah, and people yeah, identify that. People buy the that. plushies. I mean, that that's mm. yeah. Ollie, Ollie's a um, a well loved character. 
Yeah. Yeah, also a well stolen character, right? Oh, <laughs> I yeah, see absolutely. I see Ali on all sorts of things that have nothing to do with Twitterific, right? And I know for a fact that Twitterific is not licensed in any way, shape, or form. You know? And, and one but, of the, one of the biggest ones that I never hear talked about, but I think about constantly is the finder icon, right? Yeah. It's it's just there smiling at me all the time all the time. It's the only sort of default anthropomorphic thing on my Mac. It's the only thing that looks human at all. Yeah. It's weird that they've kept it looking like that for this it is, amount of time. It is strange. Because it does not really fit with the aesthetic of the, of the OS anymore. Right, but what, mean, else, what, what else could it be? Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, so, and I, I mean, and maybe that's the reason why it has stuck around, right? Because, I mean, to change it at this point after, I mean, how long has it been around? Since, what, System, system 4, System 5? Yeah. I mean, it's been for a very, very long, yeah, yeah. long time. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I want to get back to, uh, the, uh, just real briefly, uh, the Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And, and see, I'm old enough to remember where that tipping point was. Where, where yeah. I feel that tipping point was, right? And I think that those that have used and been aware of Word, used the Mac for a very long time, would, would probably agree with me. Um, Word 5.1. Word 5.1 is still, in my opinion, um, the best word processor ever made. And... I think that's largely because you understood its story immediately and you were delighted by the little mini stories it told that no one else has done in a word processor sense. Mm-hmm. For instance, um, are you, you're familiar with Solver, right? The, Absolutely. The, Mac app and iOS app where, uh, it, I mean, it's almost like, uh, you know, having a blank sheet of paper where you can, you know, you can kind of write out math. As it it's, were, like having using, a, it's like having a blank sheet of paper that can actually do math. Yes. Yes. It's like having a blank sheet of paper that can actually do math. That's free, by the way. If they want to take that as their slogan, it's free. Yeah. Yeah. They should. <laughs> they, they really should. Um, <clears throat> Word 5.1 could do that. Yeah. And then they, it, it, it disappeared. It disappeared after that. Like yeah. it, it, it appeared in one version of Word and then poof, gone, right? But that was one of those things that you just kind of stumble upon. You're like, oh, wait, I can put, just type out a whole bunch of numbers and draw an underline under them and it will add them? Wow, yeah, that's, that's so far from what Word is now. I mean, that's... that's- <laughs> <laughs> but, but exactly, you get what I'm saying, right? Well, one like of those happened to me. One of those happened to me in Pages the other day because I inserted the date right on a document, uh-huh. and then I came back to it a couple days later to make a new document, you know, from that document. But I didn't save it as a template or anything. I had the date in the footer. I was like, oh, you know what? That date's wrong. I'm going to change that. I was about to delete it, and then Pages came up. Oh, do you want to set that to today? What? Like, whoa. Wait a minute. <laughs> Are you reading my mind? <laughs> yeah, I actually do want to set that today. And it pops up a little calendar interface and stuff like that. And it's it's like stuff like that, man. Oh, living in the future. Yeah. Well, and and what is interesting about it is that yes, 
living in the future, but should be that easy. Yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Right? Do us like that. <laughs> Sorry, Pat, we lost you there a second, mate. Do you want to, can you just repeat that? Yeah, yeah I, I said, I said the, 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 yeah, the reason that we created was to do um, And I, I think that that in itself is a story, an important one. Um, and, and the more that we understand these stories uh, and the more that we pay attention to them, the better choices we can make about the software that we choose to use and the software that we choose not to use and the reason why. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, thanks for talking with me about this. Before you know, we we let you kind of roll here. Um, I wanted to find out. So, uh, you, you quote book. There's yeah. there's uh, still active development going on there. Despite Every day, man. Every day. You're, Despite your full-time job, you're still you're still slaving away on that thing. <laughs> I wouldn't say despite it. I certainly have taken uh, way less of a role. So I I, I want to absolutely thank um, the other two developers, uh, Brian Caps, who's on Twitter at Brian Hacks H A X, and also uh, Andrew Harrison. He's my sort of college roommate, also a developer at Lickability. They they really picked up the pace, and I mean we are, we are happy to announce that our that our iPad app is um, is is almost done. Um, it's coming soon to an app store near you, so we're really excited uh-huh. about that. We just have a couple couple of final things to finish up, uh, some polish, and then also uh, we have to we have to get the syncing get the syncing done. But um, just to let everyone know, it will be universal. So if you buy right. Quotebook now for your iPhone for one ninety nine, you'll get the iPad app for free as well when it comes out. Great move. Yeah. Yeah, really great move. And, and I mean, and, uh, you know, Quotebook is one of those apps that that I'm very passionate about, and I think that we we have done a really good job at at building the story for it. It's very simple. It's a notebook for your quotes, and it doesn't come with any quotes built in because we think that you should be finding those throughout your life, not just stumbling upon a, a huge, you know, book of quotes that you don't even care about. Right? It's just more stuff to look through, more stuff to search through and sort through. We we think that you should be um, discovering them. Yeah. And 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 be intentional about what you put in there and what you choose exactly. not to. Exactly, and that's how we use it. And I mean, I use it constantly. <sighs> yeah, uh, I can't. I, I know we talked about this on a full episode before, but I just I, I get so excited about this app that I have to, <laughs> you know, I have to constantly say it. It is. It, it's it's just it's wonderful. It is just a wonderful app that. Its its story is so clear. Its purpose so so perfected that it's a joy to use at every turn. I'm you know I, I got to tell you I'm my jaw still drops every time I copy a quote out of you know say go to you know I'm in Twitterific and I copy this tweet I open up quote book and it pops up that little window that says oh. You know, we've we've detected this might be a quote. You know, do you want to add this? Right. You click OK, and it gets the quote in the right place, and it gets the author in the right place, and it gets most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, the source in the right place if that's included in the copy. Yeah. 
yeah. It's blown uh, away every single time. <laughs> <laughs> it never ceases to amaze me. I'm like, oh, I know this one's going to screw it up. I know this one's going to mess with it. Never does. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Pat. I really appreciate that. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, uh, you know, uh, I know you can't give us any real big sneak peeks on what's coming up. Uh, well, if you um, if you actually check out my Dribble, uh, my Dribble profile, which I'm sure you'll link in the show notes, but it's uh, dribble.com slash MB, um, you can see a quick, you know, cropped screenshot of what Quotebook for iPad is going to look like. It is a radical departure in terms of our visual design, and we're hoping to bring some of those visual cues back to the iPhone app soon. So Very Excellent. Yeah. Very well, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it, and uh, really nice uh, hearing from a developer about this. Uh, Absolutely, about it was great the story about it. idea. So, all right, and Michael, as always, uh, thanks a lot for uh, for you know. <laughs> uh, Michael arranges our guests actually being here. Uh, I have nothing to do with that. He's the one who does all the hard work. So when someone wants to be on the show, they ask me, I say, okay, talk to Michael. <laughs> and then so I'd I, slave away to meet his demands. Oh, no, no, I, re- I really, really because <laughs> it, it allows me to be the hermit that I am. <laughs> so, all right, well, you guys, we'll talk later, all right? Yeah. Take care. Cheers. Right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.